0: Welcome back to the show. In this episode, I sat down with Cord Jefferson, the writer-director of the five-time Oscar-nominated film, American Fiction. The plot reads, a novelist who's fed up with the establishment profiting from, quote, black entertainment, uses a pen name to write a book that propels him into the heart of hypocrisy and the madness he claims to disdain. This is based on the book Erasure by Percival Everett. Jefferson also has credits on shows like Master of None, The Good Place, Watchmen, and Station Eleven. In this interview, which will also be on the Creative Screenwriting website, we talk about his decision to become the director of this film based on the work and character details, how he dealt with failure when a project before this one collapsed on the finish line, and how he hopes this film improves the conversation about black entertainment, along with what it means to be prolific today, and focus on the things that you care most about. Here's my conversation with Cord Jefferson.
1: The thing that I always wanted to do was to rem- remember that uh, what it means to be a writer is very is very big. You know, I think that I think that a lot of writers that I know limit themselves and they say like either i'm i'm a sports journalist or i write about politics or i'm a novelist and i feel like for me i always wanted to look at writing as kind of a toolbox and the way that you can use a toolbox to build a coffee table or uh or a rocking chair or a house you know you, you these skills are applicable to a lot of different things and so for me i sort of never wanted to limit myself by saying i'm just uh you know, I was a journalist for many years before I started working in film and TV. And I felt like I I always was a journalist and was proud to be a journalist, but with an eye toward like, maybe I want to write a book one day, or maybe I want to write a screenplay one day. And so to me, I just look at it almost as a, as a bigger, I, I think it's a bigger catch all term is like storyteller. You know, I think that it's, 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 if you are, if you are a person who who is interested in, you know, writing novels, I think that you can probably write a good article. I think that you can probably write an interesting screenplay. I think that you can probably write an interesting stage play. I think that, you know, the 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 connective thread between all these things is that you know how to capture an audience's attention and bring them from the beginning to the end of a thing. And so, once you sort of figure out how to do that, it's more about what medium to apply this skill set to, as opposed to, can I do that other thing? You know, that to me was always what I, what I sought out when it came to writing.
0: When you kind of shifted to you, you've been in some great TV writers rooms, uh, The Good Place, Master Nun, Watchman. Did you do anything differently, maybe habitually because of your journalism background? Anything that was different about you?
1: Yeah, I think that, I think something that journalism teaches you is to, you know, it's like the nut graph of a, of an article, right? It's it's sort of like why why are you telling this story? Why should we pay attention to this story on this day in January of twenty twenty four instead of the millions of other stories that we that we could be paying attention to? Why should this be on the cover of the newspaper? And so, every time that I approached a, a, a TV or or TV show or movie, I always asked myself, "What is the reason that this should exist? Why should this be in the world right now?" And I think that you know sometimes. Uh, I think people don't really ask themselves that. And they're just like, well, this is a story. And I think that it could have an audience or sort of like, this is something that, that I think is cool. And it's like, yeah, that's great. And sometimes, you know, that that's, that's reason enough to put something into the world. But for me, I always want to go a bit beyond just like, this is a cool story and more like, why is this a cool story for 2024? And I think that that, you know, sort of like asking yourself about the, the relevance and timeliness of a story, is sort of one of the things that helps it break through the the clutter of, of other things that are going on in the world, the millions of other TV shows or films or TikToks or, or whatever is going on on the Internet that, that could be taking other people's time. Why should they be giving you their time with this particular story?
0: Is there any balance to like, so let's let's say that's like the why now, which I've heard you kind of reference before. Is there any balance to that and like making content evergreen?
1: Or is that like too daunting to think about where this movie will be in 20 years? I think that that's too daunting to think about. I think that, but, but I will say that I think that no, there, there is those kinds of, there is those kinds of questions. Like I think a perfect example of, of something that, something that, um, of what you're speaking about is for instance, I wanted to make sure that this movie never had a shot of a zoom screen. Like I didn't want to see any zooms on camera. I think that like to have zooms on camera really sets it in a time and place. And somebody can look and say like, oh, that movie was shot between 2020 and like 2025. Right. Or like this was what everybody was doing. And so, yes, there are zooms in the movie, you could assume. But I wanted to make sure that we never saw that on camera because I didn't want this to be a movie 30 years from now that people are like, Oh my God, the zooms like that. I remember the zoom boom and sort of like movies in 2020 and 2022, like, Oh God, I can't, I'm sick of seeing zoom screens. And so there was some consideration made to making the film evergreen and feeling sort of like classic while also trying to make sure that it's sort of like fit in, in, in sort of like today's world. I think that you want to make it, Feel relevant to the time in which it's being released, while also not making it so specific that it feels like it can't exist in any other era.
0: When did you know you might direct the film, and did that make you change the writing at all? Knowing you may direct it,
1: no. In fact, I think that 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 that. But I I knew that the it was as if the writing guided the decision to directing in 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 that. I knew that the script when I set out to write it, I knew that by the time I was done with the script that it would feel so deeply personal to me that giving it away would feel like giving away like a limb or a child. Like there like it would I knew that I was going to put so much of my own lived experience into the script and my own sort of like personal stories into the script that the idea of giving in, giving that to another director would just I couldn't fathom that. I just couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to do it. And so I knew that almost instantly, as soon as I wanted to write the script, I knew that I wanted to direct the film. Um, And it's in fact, that sort of the script is what gave me the courage to direct the film. It's because I knew that the script would be so personal and that I would understand the script and the characters on such a fundamental level that that's what actually gave me the courage to direct, even though I'd never directed anything before. It was like, everything can come from this story that I know uh so intimately these characters i know so intimately all the decisions that i'm going to make as far as the technical aspect of directing that can all sort of like be guided by the script itself so um but but it is it is sort of directing has now shaped my writing in a very real way and that the scripts that i'm working on right now you know i've had several instances where i'm writing a scene and i realize like if i were to direct this right now i would cut you know half of this. Like, I know that sort of like half of this is unnecessary. We sort of don't, a lot of this is just sort of like writing for the sake of writing because you like the language and you like the dialogue, but do we actually need it in the final, in sort of like the final um, iteration of the film? And I think no. And so it's actually made me a much more economical writer and sort of um, a much more thoughtful writer about like, what do we actually need to make the scene work? And what is this, what of this is just sort of like, me sort of like leaning into my writerly brain and being like this is fun you know as opposed to like is it fun or is it necessary you know
0: you, you talked about like having all these connections with this book uh, locations family dynamics obviously the main character is a writer a lot of you know black issues as well that that you highlight when you look to next projects or what you're going to do next, is, is, has that changed? Like there were so many connections here, and it does seem to be a success. Do you feel like it's it's a different way that you're approaching your next project?
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm firstly I'm I'm writing original stuff right now. I'm not adapting anything, and secondly, um, th- the films have um, you know the films are just a they're they're much more. Um, uh action oriented like the the one's a thriller and one's a western and so both of them are far more sort of like geared toward car chases and sort of like you know action sequences like things that like would have no place in american fiction but you know and and they're not sort of like specifically about they have black characters but they're not about race really they're not about sort of like Blackness as an idea and sort of like race as an idea. Like they're, they're, they're just sort of like, you know, I want to zig when people think that I'm going to zag. I sort of re- I really like American fiction. I'm very proud of it. But, you know, I made American fiction. Um, when I made it, I was very afraid of it. I had never directed anything before and the thing terrified me. And so now if I were to make another movie, you know, about um, you know, a professor and a writer sort of like, uh, talking a lot in sort of like rooms about these big ideas about race and, and, and identity, you know, that, that to me would, would feel less challenging than sort of like the things that I'm, that I'm aiming for now. And so while at the same time, there are stories about identity and siblings and, um, you know, what it means to be a family and sort of like, and, and what it means to sort of be, um, you know, be, uh, uh judged based on your identity like there are th- similar themes that that are intertwined within the narratives but i would say that there're much much uh different ways of exploring those themes you know i think that you know a lot of directors sort of touch on similar themes in different ways and i wanted to you know i didn't even intend to set out saying like these are going to be the themes of the films it was just kind of like here's another idea and it just so happens that you know, some of the stuff that I talk about in American fiction, it shares some DNA with the stuff that I'm working on now, but in a in a much from much different lenses and perspectives, I would say.
0: I spoke with a, a writer named Eugene Ash a, a few years ago, a film called Sylvie's Love. It's he he's like, I want to tell yeah. a black love story in the 50s. I don't want it to necessarily be about civil rights and race. Your film's obviously highlighting that. Do you see better conversations in the last year about you know, not putting that pressure or that, you know, assignment to black creatives.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, look, I am of the, I am sort of an optimist in that, like, while I think things are far from perfect, I do think things are far better than they used to be. You know, I, I think that we sort of have changed for the better in many ways. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that the conversations we're having about race are becoming more complex. You know, there's this, uh, um, there's this movie that just premiered at Sundance called the American society of magical Negroes that, that I'm, I'm reading about that, uh, seems to be sort of like talking about race in a, in a sort of like more nuanced and complex way than we've seen it before. Like, I think that there are works of art that are coming out that seem to be, um, addressing these issues in more nuanced and, and, and different ways, uh, which is great. And so I think that, um, we do have a long, long way to go until we're sort of, I think we've reached a place that that I'd like to see the industry at. But I do think that we are taking baby steps toward progress and baby steps are better than nothing.
0: Hmm. Um, you also mentioned in the Mike Shearer interview, you had a project pretty close to going to air around 2020 that kind of fell apart. We're talking about your successes. If you look on IMDb, it looks like you're just crushing it. Any advice yeah. though, for those who are like going through something similar, like it sounds like you kind of went through a... Bad phase, and then kind of found this book. But any just kind of motivational advice for those?
1: Yeah, yeah. The thing that I would tell everybody is that is that you know, so that TV show that I that TV show was so close to being a thing that happened that was so close to existing in the world, it was so close to a green light that they were telling me where I should look for my Airbnb in relation to where the production offices were going to be. It was like this is where the production office is. This is the address. So here's where you should look for an apartment when you go, when you move. And so it was like, okay, great. Like that's how close we were. And then at the very last minute it was shuttered. So, um, and that was September, October of 2020. And I was feeling really creatively adrift The for the rest of that year, I had no idea what I was doing. And I just found this book, not because I was looking for a new creative project. It was just cause like, oh, this sounds interesting. I read the synopsis and I went out and picked it up and, Almost instantly, I was like, oh, God, I think I found the thing that I want to work on next. And uh, I threw myself into that. And so and making this movie has changed my life. It truly has. And and had I not had I been working on that show, had I been shooting that show, I would have not found this book. I would have been sort of like in the midst of shooting that show. I would have been in New York in pre-production for this series. And I would have never found this found this book. And so. I think and this book has ultimately changed my life and I wouldn't have been a director had I been on that show they would have they wouldn't have let me direct the show I would have been a writer it would have been sort of I just wouldn't have had these opportunities I would have been maybe a success in a different way but I wouldn't have had this particular success and I wouldn't have had this particular experience and so the thing that I tell everybody is is it's the great thing about being an artist is that We're not athletes, you know, we don't need to sort of like utilize our our potential before our bodies give out on us at the age of 28 or 30, you know, like the great thing about being an artist is that as long as your brain works, you're good. And so, and so like, you know, to me, you keep getting better, you keep getting smarter, you keep consuming more art and sort of learning more about your own taste and your own voice. And you just keep making stuff and building and growing. And so That's the, that's the thing that I sort of remind everybody is it's not a, it's, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You have your entire life to sort of work on this and become a better, better artist. And yes, I understand that it can be frustrating. I was incredibly frustrated uh, when that move, when that TV show didn't go, I, I sort of like had visions of like, maybe it's never going to happen for me. Maybe I'm never going to get something that I want to get made, made. And I just need to sort of resign myself to that. And so I would always say that, you know, your sort of next thing is just around the corner your next great idea is just around the corner and so to just keep making stuff in many ways this industry is a war of attrition you just need to outlive the people who tell you no you know that's what you need to do outlast the people who keep telling you no and that's sort of you know i, I may, i'm 41 i'm about to be 42 this week uh and so you know there is there's a lot of people much younger than me getting into this industry and so don't feel like you need to have your hugest success when you're 25. There's there's plenty of time ahead of you to sort of make stuff and put it into the world and, and to, to get an opportunity to say what you're trying to say.
0: You spent some time with the author, uh, Percival Everett. You, you kind of mentioned he's super prolific, teacher, writer, breaks horses, does paintings, all this stuff. Anything yeah. that kind of stood out from your lens? like What makes him so prolific?
1: Is because what makes him prolific is that he works for himself. He doesn't work for sort of like he doesn't work for other people's uh, uh, acceptance of what he makes. I've never met somebody more comfortable in their own skin than Percival Everett. Truly, like I've never met somebody who's just he makes work purely because he wants to make the work and he has no interest in sort of like being famous. He has no interest in being rich. It's like I just want this to see this exist in the world. And I think that that is. You know, Thelonious Monk, who's, who's sort of the the namesake of the character in American fiction, Thelonius Monk has this has this quote where he says um, he says uh, a genius is the one most like himself. And I think that that is sort of something to keep in mind is that is that this and, and, and a lesson that I that I, you know, a lesson that that I've taken since taken from Percival, but that I didn't know before I'd met Percival is that American fiction is the first time that I'd ever written a script entirely for me. It wasn't somebody coming to me with a novel and saying, hey, we got we got the rights to this novel. Are you interested in sort of like trying to pitch on it? Or, hey, uh, we're looking for a, a movie about a black writer and his family. Do you have something that sort of like could fit in that, in that worldview? It was more just like I found this thing that I was deeply passionate about and that I loved and I felt like, okay, I want this to exist in the world and I want to sort of, I want to write this just purely out of my passion. And it was the first thing that I'd ever had made. You know, I I wasn't writing it for any other thing other than I loved it. And lo and behold, it was the first thing that everybody was like, okay, you love this. We're going to take a risk on it and make it with you. And so, you know, I think that there's a lesson in there. The more you sort of like focus on something that's really speaks to you and what you love and what you're interested in and what you're deeply passionate about, that's going to be the thing that gets people on board, and that's the thing that that's the thing that I I think that Percival does so well is he just makes things that he loves and he wants to see in the world. And now, to be fair, Percival makes novels, and I think that it's easier to get novels published. You know, Percival says like if twenty thousand people buy my novel, it's a hit. If twenty thousand people see your movie, they're never letting you make another one again. And so, and so, I think that sort of like that's something to keep in mind. But you know, there is sort of there is a market for what you are trying to do. If you are passionate about it and you love it, you can get it in the world. I just think you need to sort of like keep focusing on what you love and not what the market is asking for. Because if you focus on what the market is asking for, that's going to be changing all the time and the and the bullseye is going to be moving all the time. But if you focus on something that you love and that you are passionate about, Passion arouses passion in others. Passion inspires passion. And so when you're excited about something and you can explain that to other people in a work of art, that's going to get them passionate about it because they're going to see, oh, this guy's excited about it. I guarantee there's other people in the world who are just as excited about it.
0: Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Before you take off, I want to give you a free gift. I'm giving you my first book, Ink by the Barrel, for free. That's the digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com. Inside this book, you'll learn how to annihilate writer's block by embracing Elizabeth Gilbert's playful trickster mentality. You can learn to weaponize your anxiety with Kevin Kelly's "Different Is Better" approach, and learn how to defend your time with Ryan Holiday's calendar anorexia mindset. There's just a few other ideas in the book, Ink by the Barrel. It's also based on over 400 interviews I've done right here on Creative Principles. So go steal that book right now, Ink by the Barrel, to learn how to be a prolific writer. You can get your copy, that's digital download and audiobook, at brockswinson.com, B-R-O-C-K-S-W-I-N-S-O-N.com. And if it's your first time here, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never missed an episode.